And uh, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 1. The book of Romans chapter 1. If you'd like to use one of the Bibles we have provided for you, you'll find our passage this morning uh, on page 939 uh, in those Bibles. Uh, 939. Let me begin reading for us uh, from the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Three Sundays have passed since we were last together uh, in this great book of Romans. The last time we were here, we began this new section, verses 18 through 32 of chapter 1. And we've already seen the the, the biggest truth, the, the main truth that Paul was communicating, namely that God saves people through the gospel. And now, Paul is explaining why we need saving. Let me briefly sum up what we've already seen. Number one, we are all under the wrath of God by nature. God is angry with us. Number two, the reason that God is angry with us is that we have suppressed the truth about Him. He exists, He is powerful, He created us, He's given us everything we have, He's worthy of our honor and our reverence, and rather than giving Him that honor and reverence, we've suppressed the truth about Him. We don't want to think about Him, we don't want to acknowledge Him, we don't want to give Him the honor He's due. We suppress the truth about Him in our own hearts. Number three, Paul says that we've all done this despite the fact that we have clearly perceived that He exists and that He's worthy of our worship. In other words, it's not an accident. We don't accidentally fail to give God the honor He's due. Paul says it's in our unrighteousness that we suppress the truth. Our hearts willingly suppress the truth about God so that we don't have to listen to His Word and His way so that we can get on living the way we want to live answering to the God we love most, ourselves. And so we have no excuse for this. And God's anger against man is a righteous anger. We deserve His wrath. 
God is good. But we are not. Well, that's what God has revealed to us so far concerning all humanity in these verses. And now we come to verse 21. And in verse 21, Paul is explaining what he said in verse 18 about us suppressing the truth. Namely, Paul, how do you know we're suppressing the truth? What's the evidence that we're suppressing the truth about God? And the evidence is two things, he says. One, the evidence that we're suppressing the truth about God and acting as if He doesn't exist. It's evident, one, in the fact that we fail to honor Him as God. And it's evident, too, in the fact that we do not give thanks to Him. Here is what's at the bottom of the mess of the human race. We have failed, willingly failed in two areas. One concerns the honor that God deserves because He is God. And the other concerns the thanksgiving that God deserves because of what He's done for us. He deserves honor. He deserves thanksgiving. And we, as a human race, have given Him the opposite. Dishonor. Ingratitude. Think with me first about the fact that God deserves honor. Intrinsically. Because of who He is. Because of His beauty and goodness, God is inherently worthy of honor. Everything that exists, exists for the honor of God. We might look at the images from the Hubble telescope and we might see these, these, these pictures of galaxies and solar systems billions of miles away and they're gloriously beautiful. And maybe as we look at these pictures, we, we, our, our, our jaws fall down and we, we stand in awe and we say, I'm not even worthy to see these pictures. But friends, God is worthy of all creation. Everything that exists, exists for Him and from Him and through Him. Even the galaxies and the solar systems billions of miles away that human eyes will never see exist to bring honor to God. All of creation is an expression of God's glory and inherent worth. All of creation exists to honor Him. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. All of creation, every rock, every tree, every drop of water, every cell, every molecule, every animal, all declare the glory of God. Read Psalm 104. There is nothing in all of creation that does not glorify God. Except us. We alone, in all of creation, we who are the chief part of God's creation, are the only part that is brought dishonor to God. 
in a vast universe that stands as a testimony to the worth of God, we stick out like a zit on a supermodel. The world is glorious. Except for us. He's worthy of honor. Friends, God is worthy of honor even if God had done nothing for us. This is kind of strong. I want to see if you get what I'm saying here. Even if God had justly chosen not to send Jesus and not to save us, but chose to let us be condemned to hell, He would still be worthy of our honor and praise. Can you handle that? Paul Washer preaches this so well. We ought to believe in God. We ought to repent of our sins. We ought to give God the worship He is due even if He sends us to hell. Because He's worthy of our faith, He's worthy of our repentance, and worthy of our worship, even if we get nothing out of it. He is intrinsically worthy. God does not exist for you. You exist for God. You exist to worship Him. To bring glory to Him. And He is worthy of that honor. Quite frankly, whether you like it or not. Now by the way, you should like it. God created us to find our our ultimate joy in worshiping God and loving God and honoring God. But even if you didn't find joy in it, God is still worthy of that honor. And the fact that we have failed to honor God shows how far we've fallen. Because if people owned up to the reality of who God is, His patience, His mercy, His justice, and His righteousness, His goodness, and His beauty, all of humanity would fall on their faces in awe of God. We were created to be worshipers. That's what we're hardwired to do. And our greatest joy comes when we find that one who is most worthy of our worship. We give ourselves to Him. We will never be fully satisfied until we set our sights on the God who is worthy of our honor and give ourselves to His service. But instead of setting our sights on the true God and all His glory, the Bible says we suppress that truth. We refuse to see and savor the awesome Creator God of the universe. We choose to see a tree and just see a tree rather than the handiwork of God that it is. We'd rather leave the ocean of His majesty and instead try and swim in the mud puddle in our backyard. We'd rather ignore the Thanksgiving feast of His glory and try and find joy in the cracker in our pocket. All mankind 
according to Romans 1, is guilty of refusing to give God the honor He's due. And it's our loss. We've forsaken the privilege of being a worshiper of God. And we've committed the greatest abomination in the history of the world. Treating God as if other things are better. Other things are more glorious. Other things are more satisfying than Him. And for treating the King who is worthy of all honor with that kind of dishonor, we deserve help. That's bad enough if that was all this verse was saying. But that's only the first half. It gets worse. Paul says that mankind has not only failed to honor God as God, but also says that we failed to give thanks to Him for what He has done. And in this, Paul sees clear evidence that people are suppressing the truth. Because if people were to look honestly at things, how could they not live every day in thanksgiving to God? How is it that we can not all be marked every moment by an attitude of gratitude towards God? What do we have that does not ultimately come from Him? The only way that we can live any moment without gratitude towards God is by suppressing the truth of how good He's been to us and all that He's done for us. We have to put it out of our mind. We have to put it out of our heart in order to be ungrateful. And it's, it's rather ridiculous. It's sad. Adam and Eve were given paradise. God gave them life. God gave them each other. God gave them a purpose, a meaningful existence. God gave them a beautiful home, a bountiful garden. He even gave them animals that did their bidding. And above all that, all of those other glorious things, God gave Adam and Eve the joyful privilege of walking with Him and talking with Him and living all their lives in His glory. Surely, Adam and Eve would be thankful And yet with all that God gave them, they chose not to be satisfied. A whole garden full of trees and only one that God said, don't eat from that one. And they put it all on the line. They chose not to be thankful and, and it killed them. And it killed us as a human race. God created the nation of Israel. He caused a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to give birth to a child. And from that child eventually came this great nation formed by the hands of God to be His special people. And just think of everything God did for Israel. He rescued them by miracles from Egypt. And these weren't puny miracles, were they? 
for a big deal. He gave them precious promises. He gave them commands that were for their good and that would lead them in the way of blessing. He gave them victories over enemies far greater than they. He brought them into a fertile land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The fear of Israel was on all the surrounding nations. God made Israel a great nation, and above all, He he dwelt with them. He was their provider. He was their caretaker. He was their sustainer. He was their glory. And yet God, having done all of this for Israel, was Israel thankful. I've done all of this for you, my people. Now here's what I ask. Honor me and don't chase after false gods. And what did they do? They would not be satisfied with all God had done. There's no way to explain it except to say they were suppressing the truth. If, they, if their minds were just working normally to see everything that God had done for them, there's no way they'd be unthankful. There's no way they chase after the, the bells and the... the uh, There's no way they do it. The only way to explain the the wickedness of Israel and the fact that they hoard after all these other gods is they continue to suppress the truth in their heart. They chose to forget what God had done for them. They chose not to think about what God had done for them. They chose not to live in the light of what God had done for them. They chose to live in ingratitude. Just think about Rocky Mount. people that live with us and around us. Look at how God has blessed us. He's given us life. He's given us a prosperity that many people in parts of the world can only dream of. He's given us houses and cars, land and amazing technologies. We have access to knowledge through the internet unlike anything any previous generation before us has ever known. We have restaurants that prepare food for us, theaters and televisions to entertain us. We live today like kings and queens in the past only dreamed of living. We have freedoms. We have the freedom to choose our own leaders and the power to remove them from office. We have the freedom of speech, the freedom to choose our own beliefs. And on top of all these blessings that God has given to us in Rocky Mount, God in His grace has given our nation and our city hundreds of thousands of churches that name the name of Christ as a witness to our land. All of these blessings, one on top of another, that God has lavished upon us. Are we thankful? Would you say that the average citizen of Rocky Mount is a thankful person? Or do they take it all for granted and complain because it's not sunny and 70 degrees? Of course, I don't have to draw our attention to Adam and Eve or Israel or those we live among. I only need to draw our attention to ourselves. Romans 1 is a mirror 
in which we see the truth of our own hearts. We are Christians, most of us. We're, we're new creations in Christ. But we can look at the remaining sin in our lives and we see that we too still fight this temptation towards ingratitude, don't we? We too at times still suppress the glorious truths about God. Mount Hermon Missionary Baptist Church, who has more reason to be thankful than us? I mean, on top of everything I've already said about how God has blessed us, God gave His Son for us. He bore hell for us. This very moment, as you sit in your seat, Jesus is preparing heaven for you and you for heaven. He has given us His Bible to teach and sustain us. He's given us the Holy Spirit, His very presence in your life. Eternal joy has been promised to us. Eternal peace has been given to us. Sickness, sorrow, pain, and death will soon forever be taken away from us. Christ Himself is our bridegroom and He's coming again and He's going to take us to be with Him forever. In the new earth, and even today, our lives now have purpose and dignity and meaning. And God has done all of this out of His sheer mercy and love at the great cost of His Son. Are we thankful? And often, the answer is no. This is a hard passage. Because when we look to Romans 1 to ask us who we are, the answer is not pretty. The answer is that we are ingrates. Self-centered, wicked, ingrates. We're spoiled brats who don't know how good we have it. And we think we deserve what we have. That's who we are. That's why we deserve hell. That's why we need Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? This passage is meant to open our eyes to why we need the gospel. Friends, you see why we need it? Well, you know what? I'm going to stop. <laughs> I know it's a little early as far as my normal preaching time. That there are four consequences that Paul gives as to what happens when man lives this way. I was going to try and do the first one this morning. I think we'll do it tonight. I think we need to stop here. And um, let me call us into a time of prayer. Would you pray with me?